0: Welcome everybody to the Hammer and Rails podcast with you as always I'm your host Andrew Ledman
1: and I am Ryan Bonaparte
0: and we're here in kind of the ultimate good news bad news situation uh, the good news bad news podcast maybe what we'll title this one Um as Purdue loses to IU at home, 79-71, but then thanks to Maryland defeating Northwestern today, Purdue wins their 25th uh, men's basketball Big Ten championship, uh, continues to hold on to the record for the most Big Ten championships. Uh, So like I said, ultimate good news, bad news situation. Uh, Ryan and I talked about it before the pod. We're going to start with the bad news uh, and finish with the good news. So uh, Ryan, you were at this game, you were credentialed, you were in the in press row for us, um, what was that like being your first game uh, covering this team in Mackey Arena?
1: Apparently I bring bad luck because I was at the uh, Citrus
0: Bowl too. That is true, that is true. You were 0-2, uh, but I mean, I don't think anybody's blaming you for the LSU loss, I think most people saw that one coming. This one I might, I might blame you for, we'll see.
1: Fair enough. Maybe it's just whenever Gabby and I are both in attendance, that
0: could be too. That could be too. Gabby was at the game. Uh, she was just there as a fan, not credentialed, um, because we had Jed there as well. So it was you and Jed. Um, what was it like um, up there in press row? You have good seats. How was it?
1: Um. Yeah. We had. We were in the front row of the press. Essentially, the problem is we were the row behind the cameras. Right. So we got to see one side of the court really well but the other side was a little spotty. And by that, I mean you saw, like, half the court, So you had to watch on the actual uh, Jumbotron to see what was happening on that end, on the Purdue bench side.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, you didn't happen to be anywhere near Dan Dockich, did you?
1: No, I saw him and just, like, got a punchable face in person and online.
0: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so. I mean, sometimes sometimes people have punchable faces and then you see him in person and you're like, "Oh, you're not so bad." Not so bad, but it mm-hmm. sounds like he might have uh might have real punchable face in person, which is good to know. Um good to know. So, um you know, what was what was your first impression of how hard it was to not cheer uh during a Purdue IU game covering it as the media?
1: That was a lot more difficult than definitely the Citrus Bowl. Because not, well, Citrus yeah. bowl,
0: nothing went right. I was about so, to say, not, not a lot to cheer for at the Citrus Bowl.
1: Exactly. So this one was a lot more difficult. And you're, you know, there are some times when you clearly see a flop on an opposing player. And, you know, as a Purdue fan, you, you want to yell that it's a flop. Right. But also fan, you're like, okay, that is a flop. So... Um, so,
0: but it's go ahead. Good.
1: Ahead. But yeah, it, it's difficult to find that happy medium of like, okay, I know where, I know where to draw the line and say like, okay, now I'm just a Homer, which we all are here at hammer and rails. Of course. Yes. But, but then at some point you're like, all right, this is the correct call and we need to make sure it's acknowledged. So yeah. Jed and I were kind of doing that on a couple of calls, but, then sometimes when the crowd would boo, we like, nope, that's foul, that's a correct call. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So um, before we get into the actual game, what did you think of the atmosphere? How were the how were the fans in this game? Obviously, I think it got a little different, you know, in the second half when IU started to pull away. Um, but just mm-hmm. to start the game, how would, was the atmosphere? How did it feel to be in there?
1: Oh, I have never seen Mackie such. So similar to a powder keg. I mean, this place was ready to absolutely just burst at every seam. The student section lines were as far as I've ever seen. They almost completely surrounded Mackie uh, before um, when they were all lining up outside. Yeah, You couldn't get to like the media um, entrance in Holloway. You could barely get to the ticket office, so it wrapped all the way from the southwest entrance all the way to the other side. It was incredible. And inside, it was just, there was a buzz in the air. Purdue went on a quick 6-0 run at the very start of the game, and I don't think I've ever actually felt vibration just making you move. I mean, I'm sure it's been louder in there, but it just felt like you were just in an earthquake
0: yeah yeah i mean it it was it looked great on t v it sounded great on t v everybody looked you know really into it as you expect with a purdue i u game especially with so much on the line because as we talked about in our last podcast, um Purdue fans really needed uh Northwestern to lose and uh to illinois on thursday and despite having a really slow start and looking really bad for most of the game. Illinois came back to win, uh, so everything was set up perfectly for Purdue. Um, all the losses that came earlier in the season in conference play, you know, you look back at them, and, and obviously you never want to lose, but they all led up to this moment, kind of the Hollywood moment, where Purdue was going to be able to win the conference title against their rival, um, prevent their rival from having a shot at the conference title, do it all at home in front of their fans. It was going to just be a great moment, and... You know, just it wasn't to be. It all lined up perfectly, but Purdue just the second half, which we'll talk about in a bit, um, just absolutely doomed Purdue. So as you said, Purdue mm-hmm. got out to a 6-0 start. And, I mean, I, Mackey just seemed like it was going crazy at that point, and it really gave you the feeling that this is the Purdue team we're going to see. They're ready. They're energized. Um, you know, they're going to they're gonna come out and punch IU in the jaw like IU did to us in Bloomington. Um, but unfortunately they could just never really pull away in the first half. Couldn't put a lot of distance between the two teams.
1: Yeah. And that was solely one player's fault. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say fault, but fault, yeah. One Indiana player. One player's talent willed them into it. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Hood Shafino. Basically locked up the freshman of the year for the entire Big Ten, in my opinion. In this game, he was the only reason that Indiana was even close in this game. Um, in the first half, he scored 24 of Indiana's, no, 23 of Indiana's 34 points, all but 11. And just what he did with a mid-range jumper, he was. Showing he was NBA ready right now. That is a Kemba Walker type j- mid-range jumper. Yeah, like you cannot do any better than Jalen Hutchefino was doing in this game. And without him, Indiana was doomed. They had oh, yeah. eleven points without him. Trace Jackson Davis did not score in the first half. Goose like, egg. He had I believe zero three and one in the first half. It was just. Completely taken out of the game, and then he picked up his second foul uh, later in the half, too, and was benched for the final three minutes or so. But he was just doing nothing. It was really, I believe, I want to say only three players scored for yeah. Indiana in the first half. That's right. Um, yep. It was uh, Galloway,
0: Hood Shafino, um, and, and I think Cop. And
1: Cop. Yep. So, Hood and the two Preppy Boys. Yeah, so, right. Uh, and I said that in my rap. I'm like, you keep them ready, you know, you keep them in check, and, you know, it's going to be a better game. But, of course, not quite to be with those two, because it seemed like Purdue, although they really clamped down on Jackson Davis, who only had, I think, four shots in the first half, three or four, um, they would double Jackson Davis, mm-hmm. and just something... And the rotations was off and the double was off and it always led to an open shooter in the corner. In the corner. Yeah. And more times than not, they made it. So Indiana shot seven of fifteen at, by the end of the game and from three. That's not good defensively for no, Purdue. I no. mean you have to defend better than that. You have to rotate better and It wasn't even like you gave up position to Hood Shafino, who then kicked. It was always off of a double team, and then it was just swung around the horn and always just an open shooter in the corner, it seemed.
0: Yeah. um, I mean, Cop and Galloway combined were six of 11 from three. Um, You know, I hate to give credit to IU uh, players of any kind, but, you know, Galloway, three of four from three, took advantage of every single opportunity he was given and. Obviously, you know, player of the game you got to give to Hutchifino. I mean, he played 40 minutes. He played every minute. Every he played every mm-hmm. minute of this game, wound up with 35 points, 7 rebounds, two assists, a steal, a block, uh just three turnovers in 40 minutes. I mean, the, the the guy was incredible. Um this really was a game where you look at him and say he's gone. He he's going to the NBA. Uh, he looked absolutely incredible and we've given IU a lot of crap on this podcast and specifically how they come in with five stars and they don't really do much, but Hood Sheffino, he put on a clinic in this game and Mm -hmm. Purdue had no one to stop him. And I want to ask you a couple questions about what you think of Purdue's strategy in this game. So you touched on, you know, the double teaming of Trace Jackson Davis leading Mm -hmm. to those corner threes I mean, do you think that was the right move or should it have been kind of what a lot of teams have done with Zach Eady and been like, look, Edie is going to get his points. Let's let the other guys stop us or beat us. And then, you know, it, sometimes, you know, Purdue hasn't been able to do that. Whereas with, with this IU game, Purdue said, we're going to not let Trace Jackson Davis beat us. We're going to let the other guys uh, get better looks and we're going to hope that they don't connect. But 7 of 15 for 3, you know, 31 of 61 overall from the floor, they connected, and that ultimately costs Purdue the game. So, I mean, do you, obviously, you know, in retrospect, it's not the right decision because it'll result in a loss, but do you at least mm-hmm. understand that decision by Painter?
1: I do to an extent. I am of the impression of doing the former to what you said, just let Jackson Davis get his inside points and. You know, take away the outside shooters because this is what happened the last game, too. Um, Purdue couldn't defend the outside shot, and Indiana just made everything from outside. So, you know, it's simple math a three is bigger than two. So, um, if Jackson Davis gets inside, okay, I think part of the issue becomes all right, where do the fouls come? Because Jackson Davis can draw those fouls, and eventually that might mess up your rotation if first gets into foul trouble or Coffin Wren gets into foul trouble. So how do you sort of balance that? And we saw what Matt Painter did, and it worked in the first half when Purdue could make shots and counteract. You know, it was a shootout in the first half. Um, but we see that if Purdue isn't swinging – just, it's not an effective strategy.
0: Yeah, yeah. It it was a real struggle. It was hard to watch just because you knew, you know, as the game went on that this was what Purdue was going to do. They were going to force the IU shooters to beat them. And as they continuously get open look after open look and they hit them, you just want to pull your hair out as a fan and say, look, it's not working. Let's do something else. And, you know, despite all that, Purdue kind of stuck with it. Trace Jackson Davis – he did play 33 minutes, but only wound up with 10 points, um, eight rebounds, but, um, an astonishing seven assists. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and when you allow him to do that, it's just as bad as if he would have scored those points himself. So, uh, maybe even, you know, worse because as you said, <laughs> three is greater than two. So, uh, we got to be on the lookout for that. Um, now my other question, you know, what is going on with Purdue's three point shooting? Uh, to set you up for this, I mean, Purdue, 5 of 23 from deep, just 21%. Uh, no one made more than two, and those two would be Fletcher Lawyer. He was two or two for five. Brandon Newman off the bench, two for five as well. The only other three-point shot made, Ethan Morton, but he went one for four. Um, so first was 0 for 2. Braden Smith, 0 for 3. Um, Mason Gillis, 0 for 2. And David Jenkins Jr., 0 for 2. So it's not as if we thought this Purdue team was going to be the, you know, the world's best shooting team, but we thought they had shooters guys like lawyer, guys like Smith, guys like Jenkins, Jr. Uh, Newman Gillis, those guys can shoot the basketball. Uh, they've shown that either in their high school careers with, you know, our freshmen or in previous years, um, you know, with guys like Gillis, David Jenkins, Jr. and Newman. But it seems like the last couple years when Purdue has really fallen off, it's when the three point shooting has disappeared. Um, Do you have any idea what the problem is here? What is going on? Why these shots aren't falling? And maybe, even more importantly, why guys like Lawyer and Smith really seem to be a little timid um, and have an inability to take those open shots lately.
1: Yeah, the timidness is more so where I see the issue with three-point shooting. I mean – Sometimes you just you can't shoot the ball. Some nights you're just not going to have it. I know you said it was 5 of 23, but two of those were actually in garbage time. So it was really 3 of 21, which is 14%. So I, I understand that you're going to have some nights are much better than others, but I don't like the trend that we're seeing where Smith, Lawyer, and Gillis are starting to get to the point where they almost refuse to take a three. Yeah. Um, you're sitting there, there's two two minutes left in the game, and they just refuse to take a three trying to get the ball into Edie, and it just wasted so much clock at the time. Um, and it's like, I understand that... is the best player in the country, but you have to trust your own ability, and you have to take a shot. I mean, Mason Gillis has the record for threes in a game at Mackey. He clearly can do it. So, I I don't like just how sort of afraid they looked, Yeah. but I mean, no one's particularly happy with the struggles from three. I mean, there were a lot of open looks, too, that just wouldn't go down, Mm -hmm. and Sometimes, you almost wonder if it's like, okay, this is their moment, and it almost got the best of them. Like, they're trying too hard, and they're pulling something, and there's just too tense in the moment. Yeah. I mean, for Smith & Lawyer, at least, that seems to be something that gets better with age. You know, once you start maturing into your roles, like, it becomes more smooth and more fluid, but... It just it wasn't their night tonight right yeah the, the other it, night,
0: so. and i mean to your to your point i tweeted something similar during the game uh, i'm looking at it now there were two minutes and 36 seconds left in the game purdue was down 11 and mm-hmm. purdue gets the ball down and they're passing the ball around the perimeter they're trying to get it to Edie, and they're just wasting clock and I understand you wanna get the best shot available. you want to get it to your you know soon to be all American possibly national player of the year because you need points. I get it, but with two thirty six left uh, you gotta find some threes and you're not gonna get a perfect shot. you gotta sell for a good shot at that point because every second you take off the clock is a second you're not gonna get back to try to claw your way back in this game. Um, and pull in an Iowa, you know, and try to score fifteen points in thirty nine seconds, but Purdue just wasn 't doing that uh lawyer Smith, everybody was passing around the perimeter, trying to find the perfect shot, but you can't always find that shot you have to you have to find the best shot at that moment with plenty of time left because. Time is your enemy just as much as IU is right there at that point. Um IU was very content to just let the clock wind down, to slow play their inbounds, to let the clock keep running, and you cannot aid them in that. You have to find a shot quickly. And Purdue just wasn't doing it.
1: Yep, and you you almost see it sort of happen in the free throws as well. I mean Purdue missed eleven free throws. Yeah, in and this lost game.
0: and lost by eight.
1: Yeah, so you almost wonder was the moment just too big yeah. for some of these young guys or some of these guys who are not the world beaters? I mean, Edie missed four of them, but ten of fourteen still isn't awful.
0: Yeah, I mean Lawyer was the one that shocked me. I mean, four of six Lawyer is a very good free throw shooter, um, and he missed right. a couple there, and that those hurt. Um, you know, and mm-hmm. and Newman Newman missed a couple as well, and. That those was were big. Those were big, big free throws. Time, yeah, too. yeah. And so because
1: he had just gotten to steal yep. and got to the line. Yeah.
0: But, and, and so and, you just you just don't know how those things would have turned the game around had Purdue been able to convert the free throws. Um, you know because they Purdue did a lot of good things in this game. Um, continued to rebound well, out rebounded IU forty six to thirty. So you know that turns into extra possessions. They out rebounded them on the offensive glass twenty one to five. So, yeah. you know, that is that is 16 additional opportunities um, to get another shot, and Purdue just could not take advantage uh, because missed three-point shots, missed free throws, and, you know, there were – we only turned the ball over 10 times. Um, you'd love that to be in single digits, but you can live with 10 turnovers. But, man, mm-hmm. it's just you, – you hate to lose to your rival, um, especially with so much on the line. But uh, there's one more thing I want to talk about about this game before we we move on. Um, I want to credit mm-hmm. I want to credit Brandon Newman for the effort for the energy yes. he had um, specifically in the second half. You know, Purdue just looked like they had been beaten down. Um, at a certain point there in the second half, IU went on I believe a 12-0 run uh, to start the second half, and right. Newman came in and you know like we said he hit two threes. He was two of five. But he was also out there hustling you know he was slapping the ball away he had three steals he had another one that got taken away because uh Woodson called a timeout right before he got it um so he was out there with energy he was out there you know trying to rally the team back and it didn't work obviously Purdue still walks away with a loss but I loved his heart I loved his effort and if I'm painter uh, and Purdue's next game against Wisconsin he's in the starting lineup
1: yeah. I I think that I think he's proven just how effective he's been and just at this point I think he should get the nod over Lawyer. Lawyer has struggled mightily lately and Lawyer's defense is just not on the same level as Newman's. Given Lawyer can actually you know prefers to drive the ball a little bit more than Brandon Newman, but um for some reason Lawyer doesn't get those calls when he drives the right. ball and gets tackled yeah. Yeah, at the run. That's at least twice a game, it seems like. And it's not just against Indiana, it's against seemingly everyone. Yeah. But where Newman sometimes has that mess up like the one time just the ball decided to levitate out of his hands. <laughs> um you know, for every one of those, his Defensive um, energy and just lateral quickness is, I think, a bit more helpful to the team in general.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. So um, I guess I I do have one more thing. I just want to, you know, shout out Zach Eady, uh, Mm 26-16, and goes up against Trace Jackson Davis, the guy many had been saying was better than him um, and clearly outplays him in this game and, you know, says – more of a statement game for him obviously he would much rather have the victory but it, i think it really cemented him as big 10 player of the year as well as a continued front runner for national player of the year so um ryan any final thoughts about being uh in Mackie arena for this one
1: well i need to go back to more games but we need to your curse got lifted now we have to yeah. see if mine can
0: yeah we gotta we gotta hope uh that you do not have uh a bad situation like I did, but like you said, I went to Philly and we won at Philly. So uh, the Philly curse is broken, but now we got to hope that uh, the loss I saw in Maryland doesn't carry over if we come out East for the, for the NCAA tournament. So uh, there you go. Purdue uh, loses 79 to 71. They're now 24 and five, 13 and five in conference play. Um, And conference is what we're talking about next. Purdue wins their 25th big 10 championship. So we'll cover that right after the break. And we are back. So, hey, you know, as promised, Purdue, Big Ten champion, just like we all expected at the beginning of the year. Uh, Purdue currently sits 13-5, two games left, one at Wisconsin, one at home against Illinois. Purdue now guaranteed at least a share of the Big Ten title, 25th Big Ten title in uh, program history, leads the conference. So right now, uh, below Purdue, is IU, Maryland, Northwestern, Michigan. After today's games, all four are tied at 11-7, and seven, and therefore all four still have a chance to get a share of the conference title should Purdue lose their final two games. Um, mm-hmm. If that happens, as I said, it could be... Um, you know, five different teams could be sharing it. And I don't mean that they all could share it. I just mean there are five teams that have a possibility uh, because they do play each other. IOU and Michigan, at least, I know, play one another. Um, So that would obviously Mm -hmm. knock one of them out. But, you know, Ryan, what are your thoughts just overall uh, winning the Big Ten championship with this squad?
1: It's not the way they wanted to. We get it. But you take any sort of championship every every day of the year. Every single, it does not matter. They earned this championship just by storming the Big Ten up front and getting out to a lead that was big enough to where anyone else simply couldn't catch up, and that includes Northwestern and Indiana. So it is a testament to Matt Painter and these freshmen and Zach Eady, the player of the year, and every single person in this program not a single person outside of West Lafayette, Indiana thought that Purdue was going to win the Big 10 regular season this season.
0: Well, and, well, well, hold on. Hold on to, to correct you there. You're, you're outside of West. Lafayette. <laughs> yeah, but no, I did not expect us to win at all. No, no, no. Um but when they did when they did the preseason voting, Purdue received one first place vote. Um Overall was fifth in the conference, but received one first place vote. I do not know who that was. I don't believe they release, um, you know who the media voted for in that preseason poll. Uh, but hey, kudos to that one person who voted for Purdue uh, to win the conference because they were smarter than everyone else.
1: Shout out to them. Okay, you know, I'll, I'll take being wrong on that one. Yeah, you me know, too. The one the one, the one for, but. Yeah, nobody else really seemed to think this was possible. Everyone had Purdue as sort of a middle-of-the-pack Big Ten team, you know, upper upper middle of the pack. And they they did it. And they looked like the runaway favorite at times. It slowed down a little bit at times. But they are still at the top of the mountain. There's two games left. You win one, you are solely atop the mountain. And I think the freshmen and everybody on this team will start to say, okay, we do not want a repeat of this Indiana game. And that might be just the kick that they need to finish it out, get the sole possession of championship 25. The drive is over. And... Get to the big Ten tournament as the number one seed, and still a one seed in the n c a a tournament is very much on the line, yeah, win your yeah. final two games, you know win at least two games in the big Ten tournament, and I think you're a one seed
0: yeah i'm i'm so. not I'm not sure if they would even need to win those two games in the big Ten tournament simply because the top of the a p top twenty five and therefore you know mostly the top of the bracket has been so chaotic recently that I think. Purdue may have done enough already if they win these last two conference games uh, to stay on the one line, but there is a real possibility that they fall to a two or you know, nope. let's hope they don't lose these last two. Maybe they could even go further, but let's not uh, even get into that. But you know, okay. Purdue with with two games left in conference season, they need to win one, just one, in order to keep the Big Ten championship all to themselves. And obviously, that's what everybody wants. I mean. Let's not sugarcoat it. We're we're all selfish sports fans. We all want just our team to win. But I have been absolutely shocked at the number of people on Facebook, on Twitter, and our comment section who are like, who cares it's shared? Or shared is worthless. Or we have to win it all on our own. We have to win outright. And, like, I, you and I, as we've said, follow this mm-hmm. quite closely. Um, do you have any idea... How many of Purdue's previous twenty-four Big Ten titles were shared versus solo?
1: I wanna say it's really low. I wanna say like three were shared.
0: Is that your I mean I know. I looked this up afterward. Like I had no idea before I looked (laughs) it up. So I just I just wanna be clear. I'm not trying to sound smart here. I'm only saying I did the research. So I know mm-hmm. the answer. So I want you I want your final answer on how many you believe are shared versus solo of the twenty four. Since obviously number twenty five we don't know yet.
1: Final answer, Alex,
0: is three are shared or three are solo. Three are shared. Okay, you are horribly wrong. The, okay, it was the opposite. Gotcha. N- so shared and solo of the twenty four Big Ten titles exactly split twelve and twelve. And guess what? The 12 shared mean exactly the same as the 12 solo. And if you think otherwise, if you think otherwise, anyone in listener land, I would dare you to, without looking it up, tell me the 12 solo titles. What years were those? Give me all 12 of them because I would guarantee guarantee not a single person who is listening to this who is on our twitter who is on our facebook who is reading these articles can tell me all 12 of those without looking it up yeah i
1: can probably give you (laughs) i mean one is one
0: is (laughs) one is better than none so i'll take that but you know it's uh it's not not something that i put any thought into
1: right yeah. And when you hear 24 Big Ten championships, you you know, I'm, it's not like you're going to assume that every single one of them was outright. No one cares. No. Well, no one should care, I should say. Um, you, you know, when you hear Gene six go 24 Big Ten championships, he's going to have to say 25 for the Illinois game. But um, when you hear that, You cheer the loudest regardless. You know, it does not matter if it's shared. You are clearly the top team in the big 10 this season. If you have shared, you're in the top, you're tied for first. You're still in first. So does not matter. And there's still two games to put all of those people and just put them in the corner and make them quiet.
0: That's right. That's right. So, Um, I do have the list of every Big Ten uh, men's champion uh, by year in front of me. And, of course, uh, so the ones that that I remembered as being solo were the 94, 95, 96, the Um, Mm -hmm. three-peat. So those stood out in my mind, and I was pretty sure that the 2017 was um, solo, and it was. But, I mean, Mm -hmm. you look back through the history of the Big Ten – And there were a lot of years where it was shared, Um, you know, and obviously, like I said, Purdue had 12 of them, but there was a year 1926 where four teams shared the title, IU, Iowa, Michigan, and Purdue. So, you know, this was in 1926 when there were literally 10 teams in the Big Ten. So almost (laughs) half of the conference, almost half, tied. So, I, I mean, that's just absolutely wild. But, you know... It, you're not going to remember in ten, fifteen years whether this title was shared or outright. You're going to remember that they won the title, and you're going to celebrate it, and we're going to add it to our total of Big Ten titles. So I, I think anybody who is solely focused on whether it's shared or outright is really missing the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So.
1: the only the only thing I'm not super thrilled with, and I know this is just because you know the way the schedule is working, if they So let's say they win at Wisconsin. Do they get the trophy brought out then?
0: I don't know. Um, I mean, they've technically already won the trophy, so uh, maybe they'll have some sort of trophy celebration just internally in the locker room. Um, I know the only time I've been um, at a game where the title was clinched um, for Purdue was back in 2010. Mm -hmm. Uh, Purdue won was able to clinch a share of the title. They shared it that year with Michigan State and Ohio State, uh, but they did that on the road at Penn State. And um, I, and along with some other paint crew folks, were at that game. So that was fun. They were able to bring out the title, the trophy, um, and the team came out and celebrated with the fans who were still in attendance waiting. Um, I know you were there in 2017 when Purdue won it in Mackey. Uh, What was that experience like?
1: Oh, that, that, up until, like, up until this game that was the most electric i've ever seen mackie and that was in my very first year at Purdue because that was uh that was like i was like four months into college so um what a trial by electricity instead of fire right um that was incredible and just to see the confetti come down and just that black and gold felt amazing um this was right after I had seen the Cubs win the World Series too so like I was used to celebrations um, so it was fantastic
0: yeah yeah so you know for me I don't care uh, it, it stinks and it's kind of weird to win it on a gate on a day where your team doesn't even play so you kind of back into it in that sense but again that's that's so you don't really feel that joyous celebration. Um, you know if we, if we would have won it yesterday during the i u game, but you know a win is a win, uh, and I will take the conference title and in a few years i won 't remember that we we won it on a day off, so it it doesn't doesn 't really bother me too much so uh, i 'm just excited we got that twenty five that 's one more goal uh that we 've checked off this list now we've got to have two more games left uh before we, we find anything out about this title. Hopefully we can just shut the door uh and when we win against Wisconsin. Um, but then it's on to the Big Ten tournament and the bigger goals uh of the NCAA tournament. So uh Ryan, final thoughts about that twenty fifth Big Ten title that I know you had on your uh uh Christmas list when we did the uh the episode in late December.
1: Uh, Santa came and delivered this season. So uh the only thing I can think of is the one SpongeBob meme. You know what's tw- greater than 24?
0: 25? 25. 25.
1: <laughs> yes. So all of our Zillennials got them a SpongeBob, of friends. There
0: you go. There you go. I never watched SpongeBob, so I've only seen the meme. But there we go. So uh, we are Big Ten champions, number 25, going to be up in the rafters. This team earned every single moment of this season. Uh, I hope they enjoy it. They're Big Ten champions forever now. Um, Kudos to the coaching staff, the managers, um, you know, the walk-ons, the coaching staff, the administrative folks, you know, everybody, everybody in this athletic department associated with the basketball team contributes to this, and I think they all deserve all the credit in the world for taking this team uh, to the Big Ten title, and I don't think... Those folks behind the scenes get enough credit, so I want to make sure uh, we appreciate them uh, and how hard they work because they make Mack Arena a great place to go in and watch a game. They make sure everything runs smoothly. They do the logistics, and you know we we can't uh, celebrate this victory without acknowledging them. So thank you to everybody in that Purdue athletic department. So for Ryan and myself, uh, that is it for us. For Big Ten champs, we're out of here. Hey, hey.